0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I haven't changed since the very beginning. Lockdowns are an absolutely terrible and horrific idea. Mandates are a terrible idea. Now, if a business decides they don't want to be open because of coronavirus, that's on them. And up to them. I can agree or disagree, but no real argument. It's their choice. People and reminding them to wear masks. Reminding each other to wear masks is just fine. A governor or a mayor utilizing the bully pulpit, the president utilizing the bully pulpit as, as a reminder to tell people to wear masks. Fine by me. Mandates are something different. It seems that as we have gone along this past year, year now really of coronavirus, what we have seen is people try and engage levels of control with the assumption that they could make things better, but possibly the only thing they were making better was making themselves feel better. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Let me bring in Phil Kirpin right here. His latest piece over at the American Spectator, COVID and the illusion of control. A very, very interesting uh, a piece. Uh, we've talked to Phil before from American Commitment. And really, uh, Phil, you're not a doctor. You're not a scientist. But you're pretty good at numbers, and you simply have been doing the the yeoman's work in following the data and understanding not only what's been going on with the actual disease itself, but also in that vaccine uh, conversation and where the vaccines are and who's been holding back and who's been uh, delivering properly. And and we can get into that, but I want to stick to this article because what you have done, I I think, is made... A, a a grand amount of sense here in that what we have seen nationwide, regardless of party, is an idea that somehow we can control something that cannot be controlled, and the only reason it was done was to make ourselves feel better. Your take.
1: Yeah, Tony, first of all, great to be with you. Uh, you know, we're nine months, a year into this, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, two three weeks ago now, we passed a milestone that I think was pretty remarkable but went mostly unnoticed, which is that California, pretty much in continuous lockdown of varying severity throughout, now has more total per capita cases of COVID than Florida, which has been totally open since September. And to me, that just kind of sh- goes to show that no matter how extreme, stringent, and long-lasting these measures are, you know, human beings via governmental policy really cannot stop the spread of a highly infectious respiratory virus. But in attempting to do so, we add all kinds of additional problems. You still have the problems of the virus itself, but now you have all of the social, economic, educational, et, et cetera, problems of the lockdowns and that failed attempt uh, to suppress the virus. And I don't see I don't see successes in terms of the, you know, it's a pandemic. The pan part means everywhere. And frankly, the places that thought they were so brilliant uh, just hadn't had their turn yet. And it's pretty clear that it's, you know, it's going through everywhere. And you can't really stop it uh, via government mandates, but they cause an awful lot of additional damage.
0: Now, the damage we have discussed before, especially when it comes to kids, schools, the, the closing of schools, and you, I, I've quoted you before both here and, and on television, you know, it's one thing to make up from the economic loss. It's a very difficult thing to make up from the education Loss. But I want to go back to the piece that you have over there at American Spectator, COVID and the illusion of control, talking to Phil Kirpin right now. We still see this happening. So let's make sure we're, we're understanding you properly. Is there no reason for shutdowns or is there no reason for the government to be engaged in shutdowns?
1: Well, you know, it's an interesting distinction. I, I think there's there's certainly no reason for the government to order things closed. And and one of the reasons for that, is that I think the one of the reasons all those models uh, were wrong in the beginning is they kind of made the assumption that people wouldn't change their behaviors unless government ordered them to do so. And, you know, that's not – realistic because what happens when there's a bad disease around people get more cautious and protective of themselves because they don't want to get sick and so you know you don't need government to tell you if you feel sick you know don't go around shaking everyone's hand stay at home uh... so i think what happens is uh... the the reason we see these 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 waves rise and fall you know among other reasons the build up of population immunity etc but the reason even the initial wave peaks and then falls is people have awareness of what's going on, and they alter their behavior. They don't need to be ordered by government, which is why you have essentially the exact same disease curves. Uh, you know, when you, when you take a pair of states and one has a bunch of government orders like, say, North Dakota, and one has none like South Dakota, they have the exact same disease curve because people will alter their behavior uh, without government mandating that they do so.
0: Now, you talk about being protective. People will protect themselves. I actually believe this. They'll do what they think is is right, and, and they'll find their comfort level. But all we've been hearing about for the last 24 hours is, oh my gosh, Tampa Bay, you host the Super Bowl, no one's wearing a mask, it's Sodom and Gomorrah, Phil Kirpin, and and all. it's going to be not only a super spreader event, it's going to be a super duper spreader uh, event, and watch, this is why we need government to step in, because these people can't be trusted.
1: Your take. Well, Tony, every time the so-called experts pronounce a super spreader event, uh, it does not turn out that way they have an almost perfect record of being wrong on that and and frankly uh super spread events do not occur outdoors uh they they just don't uh the the transmission dynamics don't exist to have super spread events outdoors even one-to-one transmission outdoors is pretty hard you got to like be practically hugging a person or in their face uh you know for an extended period of time because when you breathe out outdoors uh one of two things happen if it's a if it's a big droplet it falls to the ground if it's an aerosol it gets blown away on the Wind and so we just we don't have super spread events outdoors and of course uh, we heard the exact same thing after Alabama won right uh, where there was the massive celebrations all over the streets of Tuscaloosa they said oh it's Alabama Alabama's going to go crazy now with case. Alabama cases are straight down over the last month uh, which is basically. Uh, like everywhere else in the country, really everywhere in the world, is very sharply down right now. And so I think that um, it's, I don't know exactly what's happening right now, if it's just end of season, or if it's we have finally reached some population immunity, or or what is happening. But for the first time, we're seeing declines, pretty sharp declines pretty much everywhere. And my hope is that, uh, you know, we will get the vaccine widely distributed enough during this sort of lull where the virus is retreating everywhere so that we won't have another major epidemic and uh, this will be the end of it.
0: Talking to Phil Kirpin, you can find more from him at AmericanCommitment.org and the Committee to UnleashProsperity.com along with Steve Forbes, Steve Moore, and Dr. Arthur Laffer. Let us get into the idea of the vaccine itself. Because all we hear from the Biden administration, all we've been hearing about for the last week is, Uh, No plan had to start from scratch. The vaccine wasn't there. There was there was there was no strategy from the Trump uh, administration. What it looks like to the outsider looking in that they're trying to reset the idea of um, expectations. Right. Politics being an expectations game so they can lower the expectations and exceed them so they can then take uh, the credit for doing all the work of getting the vaccine out there as you've been studying this issue. Issue. What's going on with the vaccine? What's going on with the states and the vaccine? And is the Biden administration right or wrong?
1: Well, first of all, the Biden administration is just continuing what the Trump administration was doing on uh, vaccine supply and distribution, which is Smart, because the Trump plan was a good plan, uh, essentially, to have the manufacturer ship directly to the states and have the states manage the distribution. And, of course, you know, Trump was already doing over a million vaccines a day shipping uh, before Biden took office. And he said, I'm going to be very ambitious. I'm going to raise his million a day to 100 million over 100 days. And, uh, of course, everyone sort of laughed and said that's like literally the same number as what Trump's already doing. Uh, Although we have we're we're up around a million and a half now. And so it has increased. And so the supply is coming. And uh, Johnson and Johnson is applying for their one-dose vaccine uh, emergency use authorization. I believe they applied on Friday, and so and in a couple of weeks we'll get FDA will rule on that. Most likely they will issue that, and uh, they're going to have probably 10 million right out of the gun, and they're going to have 100 million by mid-year. And so supply is there, largely, and is coming. We're going to be probably within a couple months where anyone who wants it can get it. And my view is, once we're at the point where anyone who wants it can get it, there should be no restrictions or rules or limitations of any kind on anything, because look, we have an effective vaccine. If someone wants to get it, they can get it. If somebody else wants to take the risk of getting the virus instead, they can make that choice. But I don't think we should have society-wide restrictions anymore once everyone who wants the vaccine can get it. And so I, I, I'm really going to be pushing that point. I don't think it should be about some specific percentage of uptake because if someone doesn't want it, that's, that's your choice. It's a free country. All of that said, Tony, some states are doing much, much better than others in terms of getting it to their senior population, which is where almost all the serious diseases and death is with COVID. And you are right at the top of the list there. Uh, In Indiana, you were the first state over the weekend to vaccinate more than half of your state senior population. Uh, In Indiana, you use an age 70 cutoff in your reporting. So uh, you're over 50% of every Indiana resident age 70 has at least got the first dose of the vaccine. You were the first state to reach that level. Uh, Alaska was the second today. And, you know, it's a lot easier in a state like Alaska that only has, you know, 50,000 70 plus residents in a state like Indiana with over 700,000 so it's uh you should be pretty proud of the distribution that you've got there and the job that uh, the governor and Chris Box have done, putting that program together and getting it out. And, you, know, you know, it's you a, it's a funny thing. you bring up... It's an even higher percentage. So you guys are the leaders. You're, you're really you... killing it in terms of you know getting it to people who are the most vulnerable. And Certainly I disagreed
0: with, with Governor Holcomb on, on levels of shutdown and lockdown. But we have talked about how incredibly well these things are going. And I will give all the credit where it is due, because why not? I'm not interested in getting in a fight over these things. I'm interested in celebrating Celebrating Good news as you see it though before I let you go what's been different in Indiana now certainly that you can argue that there is just like a difference between us and, and Alaska population there's a difference between us and New York in population but there's clearly something that Indiana did very very right very early and I'm interested in best practices and how can other states emulate it as you see it what is what is it that they've done right what is it that other states have done right versus what other states have done wrong.
1: I think the states that have done a really good job have uh, one thing in common, which is uh, they had a relatively simple – age-based distribution system rather than a very complicated multi-category, this person's more essential than that person kind of system. And you look at some of the more liberal states that, uh, you know, early on the CDC's advisory panel basically said, don't do it based on age because old people are more white than younger people. And so if you do it based on age, it's going to, you're going to, you know, unfairly disadvantage minorities and sort of political correctness uh, prevented having the simplest, most effective distribution. And the states that have done a good job have been the ones that kind of said, you know what? We are gonna get our healthcare workers done first. Every state did that, but then we're gonna basically do it by age, starting with the oldest and going down. And Indiana started with 80, then went to 70, been very, very effective in using that age-based distribution. Florida did it a little differently. They just said everyone's 65, we're open right away. They created massive demand among their huge senior population. That's worked well for them. Louisiana's been an age-based distribution, worked really well for them. Uh, Ohio started out not very good. And they switch to an age-based distribution. They've been really good for the last couple of weeks, sort of catching up with those top states. And so I think the key is make it simple and do it based on age. The states that have tried to be more complicated and have all the other political considerations and the political correctness and so on, they have performed very poorly as a consequence of that, including, by the way, in New York, where they have repeatedly have to th- had to throw out – vaccines because they couldn't meet the criteria that Cuomo placed on them.
0: If you can recall Gavin Newsom there's got to be a system for recalling Andrew Cuomo just has to exist Phil Kerpen, K-E-R-P-E-N from AmericanCommitment.org and one of the founders there at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, Committee to, Committee to Unleash Prosperity.com Phil, I appreciate you taking the time the piece is over at American Spectator COVID and the Illusion of Control, check it out for yourself More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.